Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hey, 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 What's happening? Thanks for joining me here on this Thursday live from Tampa. And if you're watching on YouTube, I apologize. Not the greatest background and probably not the greatest audio sound that we could provide. But hey, we're on location. We're doing what we can do. And I want to talk about the draft. So thanks for joining me. As always, I appreciate you. Three months, three months from tonight will be the NFL draft. And before you know it, we'll be talking about the quarterbacks, wide receivers, offensive tackles, maybe trading down, maybe trading up. And as this goes on, we're going to find out who is legit and who is not because the pundits will talk, everything will change, everything is fluid. We understand that. But three months from tonight is the NFL draft. April 25th is the first round of the draft, and we know that the Patriots are sitting there at pick number three with a big decision to make. So here's my question for you. If the draft was tonight, if it's Elliot Wolf and Matt Groh and Gerard Mayo running the program, if the draft was tonight in Detroit and the Patriots were on the clock at number three, what would you do if you were the Patriots? What would you like to see the Patriots do at number three, three months from tonight? Would you like them to pick at number three? Would you like them to move up? Would you like them to trade down? I've seen a few people mention that in the comments over the last couple of weeks as they've wanted to talk about this draft. So what would you do if you were the New England Patriots and you were drafting tonight in Detroit? What would the decision be that you would make? I think this is rather easy. And and I know some people would disagree with this, but, but I think this is rather easy. I would say that if you love a quarterback, you draft a quarterback. Simple. If you love either Drake May or Jaden Daniels, because many people believe that Caleb Williams will be gone at number one. If you love one of those two guys, if you love both of those guys, and they are sitting there for you at number three, you pull the trigger. And I don't think, again, it's relatively close. I think this is an easy decision for the Patriots. I think this is an easy call for them to make. Number one, seven of the eight Final eight teams, right, that we saw in the playoffs this year in the NFL. Seven of those final eight teams drafted their quarterback in the first round. Seven of the final eight drafted a quarterback in the first round. I know many people have said you can get your quarterback in different spots, and you can. You can draft a quarterback in the third round. You can draft a quarterback in the fourth round. You can draft a quarterback in the seventh round, Brock Purdy with San Francisco. But seven of the eight quarterbacks this year, The final eight that were standing were drafted in the first round. And I actually went back because I I wanted to make sure that that wasn't just an anomaly, right? So I looked back at the last four years, the last four years, the last eight teams. So 32 teams, right? 75%, 75% of the final eight teams over the past four years 
have been drafted in the first round. So what does that tell you? That tells you that, yes, you can find a quarterback in another round. You can find a quarterback via a different route. But you are more likely than not going to get to the final eight of the NFL playoffs if your quarterback was drafted in the first round. 75% of those quarterbacks drafted in the first round, you saw them in the final eight. 25% not first round picks. So it makes sense, right? It just makes sense. Lamar Jackson, Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, Joe Burrow. These guys are in the playoffs every single year. These are the quarterbacks that are making deep runs every single year. Stafford going back with the Rams, of course. Jared Goff with the Lions this year. So that's the difference. First round pick quarterback, if you hit on the right guy, and of course, that's always the question, but if you hit in the first round, you are much more likely to make those kinds of runs. And that's what the NFL has told us over the previous four years. Secondly, if you pass on a quarterback at number three, there's no guarantee that you're ever going to get an opportunity to land a guy at that kind of class of quarterback. The Patriots have not drafted this high since 1993. Fortunately, why? Well, they had Bledsoe, they had Brady, right? So it's not always the opportunity that stares right in front of you that allows you to draft a quarterback that could be a legitimate QB one. And at the number three pick, again, if you love one of those guys that will be sitting there, either Daniels or May, if you love one of those two guys and you have the opportunity, you have the chance to draft one of those guys, that is a chance, that is an opportunity that you're not always going to get. It's very difficult finding the next guy. However you feel about Mac Jones, Mac Jones was supposed to be the next guy. Mac Jones was a first-round pick. And what happened? Nothing is guaranteed. So if you pass up Jaden Daniels or Drake May, and you love one of those two guys, and you have an honest belief, if you're the Patriots, you have an honest belief with every fiber of your being that one of those two guys, if not both of those guys, can be legit QB1s for the next 10 to 15 years. If you pass that up, you're very unlikely to get another swing at somebody with that kind of talent at that critical position. If you turn that down, your pivot must be something genius, must be something incredible. The risk-reward, you think about it. If you swing and miss on a quarterback, if you don't draft one of these guys and they go on to be a legitimate QB1, you could be hunting for your next quarterback for years. We could be talking about this four years down the road, five years down the road, and say, man, they had it, the number three pick. They had the chance to land that kind of a guy. Now, some people would argue with me, and some people would say, Nick, the 49ers, the 49ers don't need a top quarterback. The Niners don't need a top five pick, even though they did draft Trey Lance a few years ago at number three, which obviously did not work. But here's the thing about the 49ers model. It is so difficult to pull off. It is so outrageous to pull off. And I'll tell you why. The Niners are in the position that they are in right now. Another NFC Championship game coming up this weekend because of how talented overall their football team is. And their, their team is that talented because they nailed a bunch of picks in the middle rounds. And we're not just talking about drafting guys who contribute. We're talking about drafting guys who are damn good, almost all pro level, some of them at the all pro level. Hufanga in the fifth round, Kyle Juszczyk in the fourth round, 
George Kittle in the fifth round, Brock Purdy in the seventh round, Debo Samuel in the second round, Fred Werner in the third round. So yeah, you could build a team and surround an average quarterback with spectacular talent and it could work for you, but you need to hit on everything else if you're going to do that. So it's either you hit on the quarterback and then you could risk swinging and missing at some of these other positions or you hit on pretty much every other position and you take an average quarterback. Which path do you like more? Now, we don't know if the 49ers are going to win on Sunday or not, but I would also say if the 49ers fail to win a Super Bowl, you could argue they have failed to win that Super Bowl because of the quarterback position. Against the Chiefs, they lost that game because Jimmy Garoppolo was wretched in the fourth quarter. Remember the wide-open receiver downfield that he missed that would have been a touchdown that would have won that game? Jimmy missed the throw because Jimmy is an average quarterback when he's healthy. If Brock Purdy fails on Sunday or he fails in the Super Bowl, you're going to look at that and you're going to say what? You're going to say, man, the Niners had a team that was built. They had a team that was built to win a championship, and all they needed was a quarterback that wouldn't puke on himself. So the jury is still out on Purdy. If Purdy can't get the job done, then what have the Niners proved? The Niners have proved they can build a very competitive team that can make deep runs, that can make it to Super Bowls and NFC Championship games, but inevitably they can't get past that hump because of the quarterback position. It all goes back to the quarterback the most pivotal position in all of football. While you're watching, don't forget, give us that thumbs up. All the likes mean the world to us. I'm on location here in Tampa. Uh, I I was watching the weather last night. Truly amazing. The meteorologist says that a cold front is coming in on Monday down here, and it's going to be 60 degrees. I hope we make it. But we're down here in Tampa with you on this Thursday. Before I head to Epcot Center later with the wife, give us that thumbs up. Every single like means the world to us. The traffic, the community, we continue to build. The momentum is surging with this podcast, and it's all because of you. It's all because of the likes, the comments, and also the subscriptions. So don't forget to do that to help us out. If you're listening on Spotify or Apple Pods, you can rate and review. I'm asking you, what would you do if you were drafting tonight? If you were the Patriots sitting there at number three, what would you do with that pick? If the draft was tonight, we are three months away. April 25th is the date. I certainly plan on doing a live draft podcast throughout that night. We're going to have a lot of fun. But what would you do if it were tonight? All right, so let's get to some of this reaction, and then I'll continue my thoughts on why I would absolutely draft a quarterback if I loved one of the quarterbacks that were available. Because if you don't love the quarterback, you don't draft the quarterback. Don't draft the quarterback at number three if you really, really like him. That's a disaster. You have to be in love. You have to be smitten. You have to be sitting there thinking Hallmark movies about this guy if you want to draft him. That's the kind of player, that's the kind of passion you need for that guy to draft him at number three. Don't draft somebody that you really, really like. You don't marry somebody you really, really like. You don't marry somebody that you like. You marry somebody that you are deeply in love with. That's what the Patriots should do if they are deeply in love with one of these quarterback prospects and they're sitting there at number three. Let's get to some of your thoughts here. Flying Elvis says Jaden Daniels with the third pick. 6'4", 210, 
Don't get cute, Patriots. Do not trade down. Some would say that Jaden Daniels might be a little bit shorter than six foot four. We'll see the measurements when he gets to the combine. I know Greg Bedard. Greg thinks he's like six two, but we'll see. I don't care. Six two, six four, whatever. Cody Woods jumps in and says Amazon won't be delivering a franchise quarterback to one Patriot place. Draft May or Daniels and shoot for their high ceiling. You miss every shot you don't take. Yes. The MJ quote. Ian, if you aren't sold on the quarterback, trade down for more capital. That's something I would absolutely think about. If you're not sold on these quarterbacks, would you trade down from three? I would entertain it. Now, I wouldn't trade down from like three to ten. But if you're telling me I could trade down from three to six or seven, and I'm in that area, right? I'm kind of in that area lurking in the six or seven spot. I still look at guys like Joe Alt. I still look at Oshu Fashanu. Olu Fashanu, sorry. I still look at uh, Roma Dunze, Malik Neighbors. There are still a lot of talented guys that could help you at six or seven or eight if you were not in love with one of these quarterbacks. So I, I don't think trading down is an outrageous idea. Far from it. If you don't love one of these guys, if you're not into it, then trading down, not the worst thing. Willie says, Jaden Daniels. So we get a lot of Jaden Daniels fans. Arlo talks about trades says, I would trade down to Atlanta and take the best tackle available. Again, Atlanta's drafting at eight this year. They are obviously looking for a quarterback. We don't know who the head coach is going to be. We thought it was going to be Bill Belichick, but Adam Schefter saying recently that Belichick is not the favorite in Atlanta. And by the way, speaking of Belichick, I just filed my latest column with Boston Sports Journal. It should be running tomorrow. It's about Belichick and whether or not he overplayed his hand. I also have a Red Sox thought in there as well. So, you know, do you trade down to Atlanta at number eight and you draft a Fashanu or you draft an Alt or you draft a Neighbors or you draft an Adunze or you draft a Brock Bowers? Is that what you do? Because remember, all of those things are things that the Patriots need. All of those positions. I mean, the Patriots are going into this draft with a lot of holes as we've discussed. It's not just quarterback. Obviously, I want to fill quarterback as soon as I can. If you love one of them, you take one of them at three. But let's not forget, both offensive tackles right now are gone. They don't have a single tight end that's signed to a contract for 2024. Wide receiver, they don't have a, a number one guy. So they have three clear needs at three very important positions, which is why I didn't read too much into Gerard Mayo's comment to Steve Burton going back more than a week ago when he said, we're going to draft a very important player or we're going to draft at a very important position. I didn't take too much out of that because you could argue that a very important position is left tackle. You could argue that a very important position is wide receiver one. You certainly argue that the most important position is the quarterback. So I didn't take too much from what Mayo said because the Patriots have needs. They have needs at critical positions on the offensive side. And fortunately, here's the good news. Here's the good news. This draft in the top 10 is loaded with offensive talent. So if you don't love one of these quarterbacks, you are looking at guys like Marvin Harrison Jr. You're looking at Alt. You're looking at Fashanu. You're looking at Neighbors. You're looking at Adunze. You're looking at Bowers. I mean, there is some heavy-duty talent here in the top 10 that the Patriots can choose from on draft night, three months from tonight. Pat jumps in, got to swallow hard and take Drake May, Jaden Daniels. If you like the one who is available, can't win without a legitimate quarterback. I have no use for Marvin Harrison Jr. with the current offensive structure. And that's another thing to keep in mind. 
you have to keep in mind, if you plop a wide receiver in, we'll talk about this in a few minutes. If you plop a guy in, no matter how great that guy is, what else do you have that goes along with that wide receiver? Do you have enough to help that guy? That's something we'll talk about. Marilyn, she apologizes. Apology accepted. It's okay. <laughs> she would take Drake May if Drake May was there. Benny's Benz would draft me. Pick three. Like and subscribe. Yes, please. Give us that thumbs up. Throw a comment and Don't forget to subscribe. And uh, we are live today, so if you have a super chat, you want to jump to the front of the line, feel free. Speaking of super chats, I'm going to get to Kelso H's super chat from yesterday. Kelso dropped the super chat in, and obviously we weren't going live because I was traveling down here to Tampa. I was flying down. So I will get to that super chat. I will honor yesterday's super chat in today's pod because you paid for it. So you get what you pay for. I will get to that a little bit later. Back to the draft and some thoughts. You are much more likely for the people who love Marvin Harrison Jr. And again, I would not turn down the idea of drafting Marvin Harrison Jr. at three if you're not in love with one of the quarterbacks. If you think that Marvin Harrison could be a top three receiver at the NFL level by next year or so, then you entertain the, the, the pick at three uh, being him, right? But here's what I would say. Here's what I would say as far as just general philosophy. As I said, 75% of the final eight teams in the NFL playoffs over the prior four years have been drafted in the first round. 75% of those teams were led by quarterbacks drafted in the first round. When you look at wide receiver, even wide receiver one, you can find wide receivers outside of the first round. And I would say it's not overly difficult to find a guy not in the first round. That could be a wide receiver one. I went back last night, did a little research. Did a little work, right? And I was looking at wide receivers that have been drafted since 2017. And I just looked at all of these names that were drafted since 2017, post-first round, and how good those wide receivers have been. So just in the second round alone, say if you wanted to draft Drake May or Jaden Daniels, circle back and draft a wide receiver with that second-round pick, which, by the way, I mentioned this, I think it was yesterday. Uh, but the uh, second round pick is actually the second pick overall in the second round because they they rotate alternate picks with the teams with the same record. So the Patriots are drafting third in the first round, second in the second round. So say you want to draft a May or a Daniels at number three. Then you loop back around at number 34 and you want a wide receiver. Here are some of the names that have been drafted in the second round at wide receiver since 2017, just since 2017. Debo Samuel. Pretty good. DK Metcalf, pretty good. Devontae Adams, some would argue the best receiver in all of football. A.J. Brown, T. Higgins, Michael Pittman, Cortland Sutton. All of those guys would be described as wide receiver ones, number one targets. And all of those guys I just named were drafted in the second round since 2017. But it's even more ridiculous when you look at some of these other picks at that position in later rounds than the second. Right, You've got Puka Nakua this year on the scene with the Rams. Exploded. Unbelievable rookie season. Drafted in the fifth round. Nico Collins. Houston Texans had a really good year. He was drafted in the third round. How about somebody you're going to watch on Sunday? Amon Ross St. Brown. He was drafted in the fourth round. Terry McLaurin. 
with Washington, was drafted in the third round. And before Puka Nakua showed up in L.A., their number one receiver was Cooper Cup, and Cooper Cup was drafted in the third round. All of those guys post first round picks, Debo, Metcalf, Adams, Brown, Higgins, Nakua, Collins, Amon Ross St. Brown, McLaurin, Cup, all of those guys post first round. And if you look at this year's draft specifically, the wide receiver position is loaded. Draft experts will tell you that as many as eight to 10 guys could come off the board by the end of the second round. This draft is loaded. You could have three or four receivers picked in the top 10. You could have six or seven receivers drafted in the first round this year. That position in this draft is incredibly, incredibly deep. It is much easier to find a wide receiver one in rounds two through five than it is to find quarterback number one. I just gave you 12 names 12 wide receivers over the previous seven drafts, almost two receivers a year that you get after the first round that have proven to be some of the best receivers in all of football. There's no way you could say that you're going to get an average of almost two quarterbacks a year that are QB1s post-first round. That would be nonsense. Absolute nonsense. And your best option If you want to talk about sustainable, competitive football, if you want to be a contender every year, there's one pathway to that in my eyes, in my personal opinion. The best option at sustained competitive success in this NFL is having a top five to seven QB1 for the next 10 to 15 years. If you look at the last six, seven, eight, ten playoffs. If you look at those postseasons, the common names, right? The common names that you see. Brady was the freak in the sixth round. But when you look at it, you have legitimate quarterback ones that are year in and year out getting to the divisional round, getting to the championship game, getting to the Super Bowl. Mahomes, Allen, Burrow, those kinds of names. Before this year, obviously, Aaron Rodgers, supplanted by Jordan Love, another first-round pick. Lamar Jackson, a first-round pick. If you want sustained, competitive success, you want to be in the conversation year in and year out. I've always said this. In the NFL, imagine like a sandwich. The top five or six teams are the top bread. The bottom five or six teams are the bottom bread. And then you've got pretty much 20 teams stacked up in the middle. If you want to be in the conversation of those top five to six teams year in and year out in the NFL, the way you do that is having a legitimate QB1, a guy that nobody questions is that kind of dude who walks out there and plays his best football in big moments. Somebody who can carry you to a win. That's what you need. If you want to consistently compete at the highest level, have one of those guys for the next 10 to 15 years. And it's much easier to get one of those guys in the first round than after the first round. Don't forget to like. Give us that thumbs up. Don't forget to throw a comment in as well. Don't forget to subscribe. We're over 1.6 thousand subscribers. It's all because of you. We wanted to get to 1.5 by the end of this month. We have gotten there and we have surpassed that. So like. Give us that thumbs up on Facebook. 
Also, of course, on YouTube, which is vital, and Twitter slash X. Comment and subscribe as we continue to truck along here. And if you're listening to uh, Spotify, Apple Pods, rate and review. Vitalix, could you name the quarterback in each of the last four years' Final Four that weren't a first-round quarterback? Maybe mention on another video. If not, appreciate you, Nit. Uh, Vitalix, you know, I I regret not looking back. (laughs) When I was looking back last night, I do regret not typing up like the final four to eight teams. But look, we know that Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes have been there. We know that Joe Burrow's been there. Patrick Mahomes has been there six straight years. So that's an obvious one, right? And, And then you've got Joe Burrow, who's been there. I think he got there, what, twice, if I remember correctly. Um, I, I will I will try to check that out if I can. I'll try to look that up, but I appreciate the super chat Vitalix. Um, always, always appreciate those super chats. Uh, that's the way you can contribute to the show financially and uh, jump the line of everybody that's throwing their comments in here. Uh, Matt says, it's got to be a quarterback regardless. They're all dart throws. Got to keep picking quarterbacks till you find the one. Uh, the, the quarterback conversation, the, the thing that drives me bananas is like, oh, well, like I, I've seen, I've seen many people say, well, you know, a top three pick is no guarantee. Of course, of course, every draft is different though. We have to appreciate that every single draft is different just because the prior, you could have 15 straight drafts where quarterbacks taken in the top three didn't work out. Does that matter if you have a draft like 2004, right? Does that even matter? If if you were to just wipe away, if, if you sat down, if you sat down in 2004, right, and, and on that night you needed a, a quarterback and you went into your war room and you said, I don't know, guys. I don't know if we can draft a quarterback because, like, the prior 10 drafts, only two guys drafted in the top three have worked out at that position. I think it's very, very risky. Well, you would have passed up Eli Manning. You would have passed up Phillip Rivers. You would have passed up Ben Roethlisberger. Those are three quarterbacks picked in the top 11 back in the 2004 NFL draft. All of those guys arguably are going to be in the Hall of Fame. Depends on how you feel about Rivers. So every draft is different. Just because something happened in last year's draft doesn't mean that this year's draft is going to follow that same path of destruction right it's like saying oh well the the carolina panthers drafted bryce young number one last year i wouldn't touch a quarterback number one this year what who's the guy at number one so every single draft is different mike Pyle simply puts quarterback so he wants the quarterback nolan i wouldn't trade up and give up a king's ransom marvin harrison jr So uh, Nolan is an MHJ fan. David, hey, Nick, I'm right across the bridge in St. Petersburg. I just hope they fix the scouting process because the past drafts could go down as some of the worst of all time. Look, we're going to find out, David, right? Uh, We are going to find out how good this scouting department is and how good this front office really is. Because as we've said, since Robert Kraft said goodbye to Bill Belichick, it's rather obvious that Kraft is telling all of us that Belichick was the reason why those drafts were awful. There's only one person that's been taken away from that front office, and that one person is Bill. So if this draft is a home run, that's a huge indictment on Belichick. Absolutely gigantic. Because from 2015 
2022, their draft record was abysmal. So if they go in three months from tonight and they have an awesome draft, I think that tells us, at least this year, it tells us that Belichick jumped over his scouts and decided to pick some of the guys that he wanted to pick. It, that's, that is one of the most fascinating themes about this year's draft. How different does it look? I mean, Phil Perry would do an entire series on the prototypical Patriots because we knew the kinds of guys that Bill Belichick loved to draft. How much different is this draft? Are we actually watching guys get picked that are like next up on the best 10 available? Now, that doesn't mean you're going to hit on every single one of them. That doesn't mean it's automatic success, but it is going to be fascinating to watch the process, the approach, and who they draft because that will tell us how close Elliot Wolf and Matt Groh were actually to Bill Belichick philosophically when it came to the draft. If the Patriots trade up and draft Caleb Williams, you know right away (laughs) this ain't a Bill Belichick operation anymore. All right, so let's get back. A couple more points I want to make. What is a great wide receiver if you draft Marvin Harrison Jr.? Who is Marvin Harrison Jr. if he doesn't have a guy who throws the football to him consistently well? He's just another wide receiver. As great as Marvin Harrison Jr. is, how very good Roma Dunze could be, how very good Malik Neighbors could be, those guys inevitably will be helped or hampered by their quarterback. So I just think a great quarterback, a top quarterback, can make others better. Others don't necessarily make the quarterback better. That's at least my view. One more thing, if you hit, if you happen to hit big on a quarterback at number three, if you draft Daniels or you draft May, and May slash Daniels becomes a home run, if that's what happens, then that guy, that quarterback is going to make up for lots of coaching mistakes and lots of personnel mistakes. That's how it works. If this pick at three, is a home run pick for a quarterback. That quarterback is going to make you sleep better at night. If you're a coach, if you're a teammate, that quarterback will make up for lots of problems if they're good enough. And you can't say that about every other position. You can't say, oh, that left tackle is going to make coaching much easier, going to take care of a lot of coaching mistakes. Could take care of some, of course, but not all. A great left tackle is not going to take away personnel issues at running back or quarterback or wide receiver, is he? A quarterback, if it's a home run, a quarterback can make up for a lot of those mistakes. That's the difference. All right, so Kelso H. sent a super chat yesterday. Again, I wanted to honor it because we weren't live yesterday. And uh, Kelso responded to the Steve Belichick uh, nugget from Mike Reese that if Steve Belichick returned to the Patriots this year, it would be as an assistant head coach and senior advisor to the head coach, not necessarily a defensive coordinator. And I thought that was very interesting. And I think it's been overlooked by a lot of people. Not not many people talked about it. I don't know if they talked about it yesterday. Again, I was traveling down here to Tampa, so I'm not sure what people were talking about yesterday. But it, it was surprising to me that not many people talked about this idea of Steve Belichick being an assistant head coach or a senior advisor to the head coach. And 
Kelso's reaction to that was assistant head coach. You can't be serious with a couple of exclamation points. Look, here's what I would say. It's a title. And if they name Steve Belichick, the assistant head coach, the senior assistant head coach, the senior head coach, the, the senior advisor to the head coach, it's a title. It's a title. And so why would they give Steve Belichick that title? They want to keep him here. They want to keep him here. And I also think it's a way to elevate Steve Belichick and promote DeMarcus Covington. So if you love DeMarcus Covington, and reportedly he's the heavy favorite as the D.C., and I have no issue with that, I would love Covington to be the defensive coordinator. He's done a fantastic job with that defensive line the last few years. Fantastic. Tavai, Jennings, Barmore, Wise. White this year, you see that defensive line develop. So Covington has done a great job with those guys. So this is a way. This is a way to take advantage of titles. As I said, Gerard Mayo can take advantage of titles because he could put a title on somebody to keep him with that team to promote somebody else at the same time. So you would make Steve Belichick the assistant head coach, still working with the defense, but then you would promote Covington to defensive coordinator, which makes it much more difficult for a team out there to take Covington from you. Because if they wanted to take Covington from you, they would have to hire him as a head coach. So that's the game within the game. And that's part of what Bill Belichick missed. Belichick didn't believe in titles. And I think that hurt the team as far as the coaching staff depth. Because a guy like Nick Cayley wouldn't get the offensive coordinator title So he went to L.A. That's a way to kind of keep your coaching talent, build the depth within that coaching staff. And so if somebody leaves, you're not freaking out and scrambling. So I have no issue with it. And by the way, I don't understand the hater criticism of Steve Belichick. I know he's he's Bill's son, but the fact is he's been very good in his role. Since 2019, he and Mayo have led a very good defense. This year, they were top 10 in DVOA without two of their best players, Christian Gonzalez and Matthew Judon, by what, like week four, week five? So I I don't understand it. Other than the Belichick last name, I don't know why people would be triggered by Steve Belichick. All right, that'll do it. I got to run to Epcot Center with the wife. Everybody have a great Thursday. We'll be back tomorrow. The plan is to be live tomorrow at 11 a.m. right here on YouTube from some hotel room in Orlando. Hopefully you enjoyed this podcast. I love talking draft. We will talk a lot more draft as time goes on and we get closer three months away from tonight. Don't forget before you go, click that thumbs up on YouTube. All the likes mean the world to us. So like, comment, and subscribe. Spotify, Apple Pods. Do not forget to rate and review. Until tomorrow, everybody have a fantastic Thursday. This has been the Nick Cattle Show.